All right, good evening. Hope everybody's week's off to a good start. And uh, if it's not, hang in there. It'll be Friday before you know it. Um, let me, well, let me look at my bulletin real quick. I'm not going to spend any uh, amount of time on announcements. I think the baby bottle fundraiser's done, isn't it? We're collecting. Okay. Sunday? Okay, Sunday's the last day. Thank you to all who participated in that. We will have our men's breakfast um, Saturday here at Burger Shack at 8 a.m. By the way, um, you can invite other men if you want to. I mean, they're welcome to come fellowship with us. Um, but I must point out, it is a men's exclusive club. I have to tell you all a funny story. We had a men's function at another church one time. And uh, there was one lady that came. And I don't know about you guys, but if I would have been, I started to say the odd man out, but that don't work. If I was the only woman, oh, this is, and it was advertised as a men's event, but she stayed the whole time. She didn't let it make her feel uncomfortable. No, of course, nobody said anything. Not going to push the issue, but uh, anyway, anyway, I guess that's my way of uninviting all the women that were planning on crashing our party. Uh, but men's breakfast uh, this Saturday at 8 a.m. And... Other than that, I will, I will point out that the <clears throat> Creation Museum and Ark Trip, um, is it, it says money is due by March 1st. Is that all of it? Okay, so that's soon. Yeah, so ask Karen if you've got questions on that. That's the only announcements I have. Are there any other announcements before we move to prayer requests? Um, there have been a lot of prayer requests, and I'm not going to mention all of them because I've, I'm going to have forgot. Y'all are going to have to remind me. There's a few I didn't write down. Um, but I did learn that Miss Mary Bird had a fall uh, this week, and I'm going to go see her tomorrow um, and see how she's doing. Uh, but she got busted up a little bit, uh, but I think it's, it's doing okay otherwise. I want to ask that y'all pray for Cody uh, Haywood as he does his um, ministry in the schools. Uh, remember Doc Bird and pray that he has a full recovery. Uh, we got some folks with surgery coming up. Uh, Kenneth has a February 19th surgery, and uh, Margaret has one May 28th. It's a little ways out. Um, did y'all hear that? Yeah. What was that? It's okay? Okay. Sorry. I thought somebody snuck up on me. Um, <laughs> let me mention a few others. Um, in fact, Rosa mentioned the other day, remember the elderly. And uh, I hadn't forgot that. Pray for folks that, um, well, it's tough. In fact, my papa told me one time, he said, getting old ain't for sissies. And uh, so, but do pray for them. They have a lot of things that, have, that they have to deal with day to day. Um, remember um, those that have lost loved ones, um, the Sturdivant family. Have they made arrangements? Okay. And so this was a sudden loss of a young man, so... Uh, I'm sure a difficult one. And so be praying for that family during this time of loss. Remember the Armstrong uh, family and as well as the, the others that are listed there. seems like there was uh, another family that was mentioned Sunday. Is it? All right. Well, let's, uh, let, me, let me throw a few others out there. There have been several people that have been diagnosed with cancer recently. Um, I mentioned the Bridges family and Danny Ray and my grandmother. Um, remember, uh, um, huh? 
Danny Henson. Danny Henson uh, from Troy. Many of y'all may know Danny Henson. Um, is it pancreatic cancer? This is pan that seems like a common one here lately. Uh, remember Logan Belt? This is the young man that Brenda um, Cook mentioned. It's her nephew. I think she said he's 24 and he has um, a brain tumor. Somebody else told me about somebody else that had a brain tumor today. Um, anyway, just remember these. Um, and let me, let me throw it to you guys. What other prayer requests would you guys like to mention? Oh, yes. Um, this is <clears throat> a neighbor of ours. His name is Barry Collins. And um, he became ill pretty suddenly a few weeks ago. Um, he was in good health. Uh, an older gentleman, but, but not frail. And uh, they have called the family in. So uh, be in prayer for this situation. Um, they had, as of earlier today, had not told the family yet, so I'm sure it's going to be a difficult time. Uh, but hopefully something the Lord can use for His glory and to bring that family back together. But remember the Collins family. Um, what else? Okay. Now, you said he's waiting on it. Does he have one coming? Okay. Oh, he, you just mean he's on the list. Okay. All right, Betty Sue? Okay, let's pray for Jeff and his heart issues. Is there a hand over here? Yes, ma'am. That's right. Um, did we get a name? Who, who sent? Oh, yeah. The, say it again. Um, I don't know all the details, but I'll just tell you, this, this is another very sad one. William Mitchell um, was a 15-year-old, and I'm, I'm gathering that his family didn't attend the church, but that he did. I think this was a young man that came from a uh, troubled background, and a church had taken him in. Was it Whitecrest? Yeah. And uh, anyway, 15 years old and committed suicide. And so this is, uh, this is going to be very difficult for a lot of people, a lot of young people. Um, so pray for this situation. These are always, um, well, very tough times. So. You mean that have passed away? Was the Blackman? Passed away, yes. Yeah, she was a member at Oh, wow. And then they had one, he had one before that. Okay. And then he had this one that just. <sighs> okay. That is tough. Uh, let's pray for, I mean, this is one of our sister churches. Let's pray for them. Um, pray for their pastor. Very tough time. What else? Rosa? So let's keep praying that that cancer is confined to where it's at and they can just take it out. So what are they thinking? Just a couple little cysts on his liver or something? A mass, that's what they call it. Okay. Oh, yeah, on his liver, yeah. 
Yeah. But they don't think it's cancer. Okay. All right, anybody else? All right, well, let's, let's go to the Lord in the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we just come to you, and uh, we first and foremost, we give you praise and thanks for all that you are and all that you do. And uh, God, we do ask that uh, you would help us to, in this, this world that seems so chaotic, to fix our eyes and our hearts upon you. And Lord, to rest firmly in knowing that you are sovereign, that you are Lord, and that you are in complete control of all, and that you have never once fell asleep on the throne. Uh, Lord, even as we look at the world and we many times struggle to see purpose, we pray, Lord, that you would sow this truth to our hearts and our minds that we might know you for who you are and trust in you. Uh, we do come to you casting our cares upon you, and uh, Lord, we have heavy hearts for those that have gone through such difficult times. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for those that have lost loved ones and those that are going through health trials. We pray, God, that you would touch them. We pray, God, that as they go through these seasons of darkness, that, uh, Lord, you would use them to help them to appreciate the light. Lord, that they would uh, be humbled and that they would be used for your purposes. Uh, God, we pray for uh, those that are, that are sick, that are going through difficult times from uh, coughs and colds to cancer. We pray, God, that you would touch each and every one of them. We pray, Lord, for those that have uh, ongoing illnesses. Many of them don't mention them day to day, things that, uh, that they struggle with, uh, aches and pains in their bodies. And God, we just pray that uh, you be with them, that your peace be felt, that they be comforted. We pray, God, for healing where it might be according to your perfect will. Lord, we want to ask that your hand be upon uh, every family of this church, every individual that would come through these doors. We pray, God, for uh, your grace and mercy that it would touch their lives in a way that they would have no doubt that you are with them. And, Lord, that we would walk as such. We want to ask, Lord, that as we live out our lives, each one of us in the many different ways uh, in our jobs and our friend groups, we pray, God, that you would help us to live our lives in a way that glorifies Christ Jesus. And, Lord... More than anything, we thank you for the great sacrifice made by our Savior. We thank you that we serve a risen Savior and that because he was raised, we know that we too will be raised. And God, as we study your word tonight, we pray that it would be a blessing upon each and every one of us. Lord, that it wouldn't be just learned for intellectual purposes, but that it would touch our hearts in a way that conforms us into the image of our Savior. We ask this in his name. Amen. All right. We're going to continue in Joshua, and we're going to do something that <clears throat> we don't do very often. Uh, we're going to take an entire chapter. Oh, man. I'm not going to buy them glasses until I absolutely have to, but I, I was sure those lights weren't on. <laughs> Turn to Joshua chapter 2, and uh, this is one of those passages that is largely historical. And I looked at it. It was one of those passages that when I read it, I knew kind of how um, the mainline Southern Baptists would preach it, and I knew that I, I didn't want to preach it that way, but uh, the more that I dug into it, the more good stuff I saw, and uh, it is a, a lengthy passage, and so I don't want to give you a big introduction. Um, I'm in big trouble here, though. I don't have my notes. We're going to go notes-free if... Uh, these are, this is from Sunday. All right, so without notes, this is going to be a short one. <laughs> That's fine. You can go get them if you want to, but I'm going to go ahead and begin reading. And if they're not out there, don't worry about it, honey. Um, 
Joshua, beginning in chapter 2, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. By the way, I don't think that that's an accident. Especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up, came up to them on the roof and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and the fear of you has fallen upon us. And all the, and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. Now listen to this. This is amazing from a, a Canaanite. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then, when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother and your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be upon his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be upon our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to the oath uh, that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the, the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers had returned, and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned, they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us.
wonderful passage, especially when you compare this to the first time that spies were sent into Canaan land. So that being the backdrop and the failing of the people at Kadesh Barnea and the time that the 12 spies were sent in, I want to point out, firstly, that spiritual leadership requires people that are fearless and willing. Fearless and willing. And so the thing I'll point out here, remember last time that the 12 spies were sent, and I think, did I write it down? Yes, in Numbers 13.1, God's command is to send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. He didn't say which I might give. He said which I want you. He didn't say what I want you to fight for and see how you fare. He said, I'm giving it. In other words, it's done. It's as good as done. And he says, to send them from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, a chief among them. So in other words, they were supposed to send the most notable, the most, uh, the most apt. And so they sent 12. And I wrote, well, I'll remind you that 10 came back and said, yeah, the land's good, but the people are too great, and they will lick us up, and we cannot take this place. And then there were two that brought back what's called a good report. And those, of course, were Joshua and Caleb. And uh, by the way, they were not your ordinary citizens. Um, they were valiant. They were full of faith. In fact, they were the epitome of faith. They heard what God said, and they so believed it that even when they looked at odds that they thought were insurmountable, they said, God's with us. We can take them. And in fact, they tried to stir the people up to do that very thing, but they wouldn't listen. Now, did you notice how many were sent this time? Two. And I'm going to suggest to you that last time... God sent 12, and 10 gave the wrong report and led the people astray. And so this time, God sent two, the right two, the only two, through his commander Joshua. By the way, last time Joshua was one, this time Joshua's not. He is the leader of Israel. And guess what? The two that go are not named. So we cannot say with certainty who they were, but according to Jewish tradition, they're named. They're not named in the scripture, so I'm not going to tie a whole lot of importance to this. But you want to guess who one of them was? One of them uh, you wouldn't probably guess. But the other one, it is supposed, at least according to Jewish tradition, that it was Caleb once again. That makes sense to me. He brought back a good report last time. Send him again. And I'll remind you that he was a perfect shining example of faith. And what I, I'm, I'm going to look ahead. We'll get to study this again when we get to Joshua 14. But this, this was Caleb speaking. And this, to me, it paints the picture of the kind of man that Caleb was. And the type of man that Caleb was is the type of man that all of us should aspire to be. And, in fact, Naomi got after me for using man in a universal sense. And uh, Allison explained to her, your daddy's not being sexist. He just means people. And that's the way that the Bible uses the word, and I use it that way. So if you're a woman of God, you would also display this type of faith. He says <clears throat> in Joshua 14, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me, they made the heart of the people melt. Interesting, it's using that same language today. The people's hearts melt. And he says this, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. I love that. He does not say, I trusted in my abilities to fight. He says that I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, surely 
The land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. This is Caleb still speaking. He has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since that time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. Are you ready? This is what I want to hear some old men saying. I am still as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you have heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. I love it. Ready. And so, by the way, just as kind of a side note... Um, the other guy is reportedly uh, Phineas. Now, this is the Phineas from Numbers 25, and he is the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest. So born into the priesthood, born into the line of the priest. And I will remind you, um, there, there was an episode where the Israelites had commingled with, I believe they were Moabites, some of the badites. I don't remember exactly which one. And they had, they had mingled with the people, and they had began to worship Baal. And so they, had, they, had, they were still Jews, they were still worshiping Yahweh, but they had incorporated idolatry into their worship. And this priest, Phineas was so upset that when he saw an Israelite, I, I can't remember if it was a woman, that, I think it was a man that brought in a woman, a Moabite woman, and he grabbed a spear and he went and killed them both. And so, and by the way, you know, that sounds extreme to us, but remember that they had, they had the direct revelation from God that said, do not intermingle with these people because if you do, they will lead you into idolatry and I will punish you. They had this from the Lord and they did it anyway. And so Phineas goes and he kills them. And, and this is what it says, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore, say, behold, I give this to him, my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel." So God viewed this in a favorable way. He said, this man's heart is, it desires the things that my heart wants. He wants Israel, his people, to be a pure people. And by the way, according to the Jewish tradition, uh, Phineas became a priest whose job was to encourage people when they went into war. And again, according to their tradition, he's the one that went into Canaan land. Again, I cannot prove this. This is not something we would want to make any doctrine out of because it's not part of our inerrant scriptures, but it does make sense to me. Um, they would send in the one that would, he would go to Israel, this is Deuteronomy 20, and say, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army that is larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you and against your enemies to give you the victory. 
So what does all this mean? We've got this testimony of the two spies that likely were Caleb and Phineas. Um, I think that the point is God picked the right two. And sometimes you can have too many. Remember Gideon's army? God whittled it down until he got it to a number that was small enough and he got it down to the right ones. Let me say this. It does not matter the age. What if Caleb indeed was one of a very old man? We see the spirit that's in him. Let me just say this. God uses the people that are willing. Now, I think sometimes we as people, we could look at a, a body in a church and we could say, who should do such and such? And you know who we'll pick? We'll usually pick the people that look like they have the most potential, the most promising. Men will pick the people that are the best looking, the best speakers, the smartest, whatever it happens to be. God doesn't care about all that. God looks on the heart. Now, sometimes it may be like Caleb. They have proven themselves. And by the way, God knows. The ones who wholly follow the Lord, the ones that love what the Lord loves, the ones that, like Phineas, hate what the Lord hates, the ones that, oh, here's, here's something controversial, the ones that don't compromise. There are sometimes we should not compromise. We should hold the line. Adam was just telling me before church, he has an Instagram account, and he had posted something that said, one day we'll close our eyes to time and we will open them to eternity, something like that. And his little caption that he put was, the question is, where will you be? Well, guess what Instagram did? They suspended his account, didn't follow their community standards. Well, guess what? The world hates the Christian message, and they immediately, it didn't even have Jesus' name in it but they recognized it as distinctly Christian, uncompromising, and adhering to the gospel. And so persecution took place. Yeah, you can say it's small, but nevertheless. So we don't compromise. And God uses those that will, like Phineas, encourage their brothers and sisters in Christ. And both of these people, their faith was in the Lord, not themselves, not their own abilities. It must be in the Lord. And all this comes from believing what God says. A lot of people go to church their entire lives and they hear a preacher say, thus saith the Lord. And they don't believe it. They say, oh, that's unbelievable. But the ones that God uses are the ones that truly believe the, the Lord. Not the most talented, smartest, strongest, etc. In fact, all the potential in the world doesn't amount to anything if it doesn't get used. Somebody told me one time, they said, I can show you where the greatest bank of potential is in all the world. All you have to do is look at a cemetery because that's where talent goes to die. And what he was saying was God gives people gifts and they never use them. They never are willing. They're never brave enough to say, okay, I'll do this thing. God's looking for people that will say what Isaiah said. Here am I. Send me. And Isaiah wasn't the only one. Do you remember when God called to Abraham? He said, Abraham. And what did Abraham say? Here am I. In Genesis chapter 31, the angel of the Lord spoke to Jacob in a dream, and Jacob said, Here am I. In Exodus 3, 4, when Moses saw the burning bush and that it burned and it was not consumed, and it, it says that he turned aside and he went to it, and so the Lord saw that he came and God called out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And what does it say that Moses said? Here am I. And then in Samuel's case, and I might like this one the best, because Samuel did not know the Lord. He didn't know who was talking to him, but he was committed to the temple. According to 
uh, Hannah's vow that she had made to God. And it says that the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. But he went running to Eli, the priest. He thought it was Eli that called. Here I am, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And this goes on a couple of times. Then Eli figures it out and he says, it's the Lord calling you. And he says, the next time he speaks, he say, here am I, or says, go lie down. When the Lord speaks, say, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. And guess what Samuel does? Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm willing. I think that we all have a lot of stuff going on. And it's real easy to say, I want to be a spectator. I want to let other people do things. But God's, God's looking for the here am I people. Send me. You know, one of the here am I people, you could almost say is the Apostle Paul, but if you read Acts chapter 9 in the Damascus Road encounter, he was stricken with blindness. He fell on his face when he saw the glory of the Lord. And in fact, it says that he didn't, he didn't eat or drink for three days. Um, I don't know if that's a here am I uh, from Paul or a here am I from King Jesus. I think it's more of a here am I from King Jesus. And Paul was going, but do you know what he did? He sent him to a man named Ananias. And Ananias, when he called to him, said, Here am I. Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said, Rise up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man named Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, you, who is going to come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But you know what? Ananias had heard of Paul, and he said so. He said, I've heard of this man. It's the one that, I'm paraphrasing, would lay waste to the church, and he has persecuted many. And the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel, sent to carry my name before the Gentiles and before kings and before the children of Israel. So here's your application. Be willing. You know, we have the full canon of God's word. We have opportunities in life. And I, I think that someday we're all going to be dead. If the Lord doesn't call us home, we're going to be dead. We're going to die a natural death and go home that way. And I wonder if there's regret in heaven for the things that we didn't do. If there is, don't let the sun set on you without doing what God's called you to do, to share the gospel, to be obedient in church, uh, to teach a class, to encourage somebody like Phineas did. We need, to, we need to be people like the two that were sent here in Joshua that do God's will. This life is passing away. When we get to heaven, there's no more opportunity for evangelism. Everybody's saved in glory. If you want to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ, you're running out of time. Life is short and we ought to do it now. Let me move on here. I've spent way too long on that. Let me talk about Rahab's faith. That's what everybody wants to uh, sort of key in on this chapter. And it is a good, uh, a good subject for us to examine. And I believe that Rahab's faith here exemplifies a true faith. A living faith. And so I want to point out a few things. And by the way, I already mentioned, I paused there when he said especially to Jericho. It doesn't say why Joshua said especially Jericho. I don't know if the Lord told him, send them to Jericho. But I do know this. Those spies were always going to Rahab's house. There is no version of this where they didn't go to Rahab's house. And in fact, uh, I, I would view this in the same light. Do you remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? The scriptures say, and I'm going to use the King James because that's what's in my... It says that he must needs go through Samaria. You know why? 
Because there was an appointment made before the foundation of the world and Jesus Christ was going to sit before the Samaritan woman and he was going to tell her that he was the Messiah and she was going to go make him famous among the Samaritans. That was going to happen no matter what. Well, the same thing is true here. These guys were going to end up at Rahab's and do not miss God's sovereignty in it. This is the one person's house where they were going to end up at. Even still... We must recognize in, in, the, in God's sovereignty, there is creaturely freedom and human choice. And I do believe that God works out even the most minute details. But like the spies that went in, Rahab had great faith. Now we miss over that. Let me remind you, she's not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. She's one of the enemies of God, if I can put it that way. But she knows some stuff. And, and there's a Canaanite woman in the New Testament that would fit this same category. The one that cried out and that said even the dogs must eat from their master's table. Well, here Rahab, similarly, being of great faith, and her faith, by the way, is seen in her actions. It wasn't just something that she wrote in a diary or, or said a pre-prescribed prayer and said, I believe and I want the Lord Jesus to come into my heart and then went and lived like the devil the rest of her days. That's not it. Her faith was so great that she hid these men. In other words, she took action. And real faith takes action. Always. Remember the parachute example. You, can, you don't get to put a parachute on while you're 30,000 feet up and say, I trust it. You got to prove it by taking a leap of faith, by stepping out the door. I don't think anybody skydives from, from that high, but you know what I'm saying. And so here, Rahab, she took a chance. And by the way, don't miss what she did. She stood against her government. This would be like the Germans that hid Jews in Nazi Germany. Do you know what they did to the people that hid Jews? They killed them. And the same thing would have been true here. So she stood up against her government, the government of her people. Do y'all realize that that would be like me being an American, realizing that God has sent in a group and that he has promised them America? Can you imagine how tough that would be? This is my land. We even sang songs like that when I was in school. This land is your land. You and now I'm going to give it away? Well, she recognized who God was in all of this. And so with her great faith, she hid the men. So it was evident in her actions. And by the way, she did lie. I'm not going to hide from this. Most of the time I think a preacher skip over it. I'm not going to tell you that lying is a good thing. But she lied to save them. And so I do think that sometimes you have to look and you have to... Well, you have, we're all going to be faced with this situation. We have to analyze the situation, and we have to determine what the best thing to do is. I'll give you another example that's in the Bible. Um, oh, I can't remember their names. The two Jewish women that delivered babies. Any Bible trivia experts? Pharaoh commanded that these women, when the Hebrews were to give birth, and they were on the birthing stool, if it was a male that was delivered, he said, you've got to kill all the males. And these two women whose name I cannot remember. Um, well, they said, yes, king, and then they didn't do it. And do you know why they didn't do it? Because they feared the Lord. Now, look, the president of the United States, he's, I guess, what you'd call our high king. Not my high king, not our high king, but you know what I'm saying, in the land. He's the, uh, he, he's the highest office in the land. But if he gives an order that is contrary to God's order, it is better, as, Paul, or as Peter and John said, it is better to obey God than it is to obey man. And this is exactly what Rahab did. She stood up against a government 
and she obeyed God, fearing God more than her government. Now her faith, another thing I want to point out, so her faith is seen in her actions, and her faith is based on knowledge, not feelings. This is incredibly important in a day and age where many people think that Christianity is some sort of feel-good. I'll tell you the truth, sometimes Christianity is not very feel-good at all. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's feel-bad. Hurt your feelings. Step on your toes. Uh, I hope I do that once in a while. What Adrian Rogers called plowing a little close to the corn. But nevertheless, she said this in verse 8, I know that the Lord has given you this land. She didn't say... Yeah, I know God said that and he might do it. She said, I know that it's as good as done. Not I believe, I know. I'm reminded of uh, Sigmund Freud, who, by the way, has introduced a nightmare of principles into American psychology. Freudian psychology is basically garbage. I don't care what you say. But one of his contemporaries, he was asked, his name was Carl Jung, and by the way, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I agree with everything that Carl Jung said, but he was asked one time, Freud was a complete atheist, and everything that he did reflected atheism. In fact, he, was, he wasn't really an atheist. He was anti-God. Anybody with any sense can see it. But Carl Jung was asked one time, do you believe in God? And he, I guess he was German, maybe. He said, it's difficult. And I thought, what does he mean it's difficult? You do or don't? And he said, I, I don't think or I don't believe I know. Now, look, you... People ask me, do you believe in God? And it sounds like some sort of ethereal or nebulous, yeah, maybe I do. No. I'm talking about passing lie detector tests. I'm talking about you'll see it in the decisions that we make, the things that we do with our time and with our money, the things that we place our hopes in. Her faith also came by hearing, we see in verse 10. It says that she had heard the word of God. Specifically, she had heard about their deliverance from Egypt. She mentions the drying up of the Red Sea, God giving them victory over the Amorites. By the way, this was the land that we discussed last week. Remember, the cattlemen were going to come out in war and then go back to the east side of the Jordan. And this is, again, in reference to that. I have to wonder if Rahab... Now, we, we, tend to, we, we are arrogant. Let me tell you, we think, we look at our society and we think we're smarter than the generation that came before us who was smarter than the generation that came before them. And can I just be honest with you? That is a bunch of hogwash that is built on the backdrop of an evolutionary worldview. When God made man, he made him with plenty of sense. And he gave him a good strong mind. In fact, I, I happen to believe not in an evolving and an increasing intelligence but I sort of guess that we would feel pretty stupid in the company of the men of the days of old. We don't even read these days. I don't know. I'm on your toes now. When's the last time y'all picked up a book? Y'all are guilty too. Um, people were educated uh, in, in many different things. And I'm not, I don't mean they went to school and got a degree. Sometimes we get a degree and it's nothing more than a piece of paper that we stick to the wall. We didn't even learn anything to get it. All right, that's enough. I'm not preaching. I'm ranting. Look, her faith included fear. Now, the reason I say this is because I think that we should fear God. And I don't want to say it like many preachers will read the verses that say that we should fear God. And they'll say, it doesn't really mean fear, it means reverence. Yeah, we better reverence God. But can we fear God? What happened to the days when fear just kind of meant fear? He's, when you really 
when you can really get your mind around the holiness of God, I promise you, you will tremble. You will tremble, for there is nothing like him. And he is perfect in power and awesome and glorious. And he's good and he's loving. And we ought to fear him because he's also righteous and he is just. And so she feared him. Our hearts melted, she said. But instead of rebelling and running, there are all kinds of fear. And I'm going to tell you that there are men that fear God today that are in rebellion against him still. But she didn't fear that way. She feared enough to repent. And she turned towards him. And so her, her faith includes the profession of her faith. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. You know, I believe that she realized that he was completely in charge, that he was sovereign, that he was in control, that his will be done. And her faith pictures perfect repentance. And by the way, let me remind you again, she was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite. She was an outsider. She forsook all to be included in the family of God. She turned away from Canaan, the dominant culture of that time. She turned away from her people. And by the way, it would have cost her everything. Can you imagine? I mean, we would call her a turncoat, a traitor. She gave up her identity, all of her belongingness. Let me say this lastly. Um, looking at the clock and it's, it's against me. But her faith and the way that this is pictured, it reminds us of the Passover. You know, they tell her to lay out a scarlet thread. In other words, you put out this scarlet rope so that it marks your house. And that should remind you of the Jews when they killed the lamb and they took the hyssop and they struck the lentils and the doorpost to mark their house, and they were supposed to stay inside, and so the death angel would pass over them. And likewise, when God came and gave a victory, he passed over Rahab's house. And it says that Rahab's faith is great, which she has marked out in the Hebrews Hall of Faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, as one whose faith is something that we should aspire to. And again, it points back to this Passover, because she did, by the way, just like the Hebrews, they did paint the doorposts. They, they, their faith produced action, and likewise, hers did as well. And then the last thing that we will see about her faith, and that I would like to pull out and kind of make a main point, is that the faithful, in this case Rahab, but the faithful are added to the family of God. You know, that is the reward of our faith is that we are added to God's family. And again, here she is counted in the very hall of faith. Uh, but there's something better than that. There's something better than being mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read it to you. This comes from Matthew chapter 1. There's only two women, by the way, that are listed here. But, and listen for them. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Okay, I lied. There's three women here. Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Hold on. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. 
So right here we have in the very genealogy of Jesus Christ himself the name of Rahab, a Canaanite, a Gentile, somebody from the outside who we see so completely grafted into the family of God that she is listed in the very lineage of Christ himself. <clears throat> That's good news. You want to hear some more good news? You too. Me too. If you have that same saving faith, you too have your name written in a book. You are also in the lineage of Jesus Christ because my Bible says that as many as believed, he gave unto them the power to become the sons of God. Your salvation comes by the same faith. And so I believe that as we read Joshua chapter 2, we should be encouraged. We should be it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter how old, how, how weak, how poor, because God is strong. He is rich. He is powerful, and he cannot lose. And if we're with him, we can't lose. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so we should remember to be like the two spies, to be, to be zealous for God, to trust God so much that if it was just two people sent into enemy territory that we would know that God is with us, and so we would go. By the way, God didn't need them. And God didn't need Rahab. And God doesn't need you. And God doesn't need me. But he, in his mercy and his grace, includes us and uses us and gives us these wonderful opportunities. So follow the faith. And I'm, by the way, I'm not saying be like Rahab. Rahab's Rahab. I'm saying be who you're supposed to be in your own faith-filled life. Stand up and do what God has called you to do and live your life knowing that someday you stand before him. Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for this wonderful message, for the encouragement that comes by your word. We pray, God, that as we read these things, that we would, Lord, that our hearts would just be lifted up, Lord, that we would trust in you, that we would realize that, Lord, we are nothing. We have no power. We have no strength that is, that is in us that is greater than anything that's in this world, but you are. Lord, help us to... Stand firm in the faith. And Lord, like the spies sent, or like Rahab, help us to live a life that is full of faith, even in the face of persecution. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.